Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Rich Gross and Mission Readiness National Director Ben Goodman. Welcome to the Mission Readiness Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Gross. With me, as always, Ben Goodman, the National Director of Mission Readiness. Ben, how are you? I'm great, General Gross. How are you? It's great to be back with you. It is great. It feels like it's been a while since we've been together. This is our second season of the podcast, and I think we've got a really, really cool guest lineup today. Who are they? Well, we've got the mission readiness team. And so, uh, you know, every member of our, our extended staff has learned to edit a podcast this year. And now all of them get to use, uh, use the microphones they've been sitting behind. Yeah, I suspect this may be the most heavily edited podcast we've done uh, because they all get the chance to edit themselves. Uh, let's I tell you what, let's start and everybody introduce themselves. Let's start with Jenny. If you'd start and then uh, we'll have the rest of the team introduce themselves. I'm Jenny Harper and I'm the Vice President for Federal Policy and Strategic Communications at Council for a Strong America. Cool. And I'm going to come back to you, Jenny, and ask you to explain the difference between Council for a Strong America and how that fits in with mission readiness. Megan, you're up next. I am Megan Adamczewski, and I'm the Deputy Director for Mission Readiness. Abby? Hi, I'm Abby Ware. I'm an Associate Director with Mission Readiness. And finally, John. Hi, I'm John Conley, and I'm an Associate with Mission Readiness. Well, I'm really excited to have you guys on the podcast today. We call this the Pod Squad. This is the amazing team of professionals who, who helps us put together this podcast. And more importantly, is behind the scenes at Mission Readiness, doing all the hard work to make sure we take care of kids, we continue to advocate against childhood obesity and for solutions to helping kids just have a better childhood uh, so they can they have better choices as adults. Jenny, before we jump in and talk to everybody, I would like you to explain a little bit about how Council for a Strong America fits in with Mission Readiness and the other organizations under that umbrella. Absolutely. So Council for a Strong America is the umbrella organization over mission readiness. And the Council for a Strong America comprises a number of membership organizations that are focused on making sure the next generation is healthy, educated, and prepared for success. So mission readiness is our group of retired admirals and generals, but we also have a group of about 3,000 business leaders called Ready Nation, you know, looking at these issues, trying to produce a strong future workforce. And then we also have a group, Fight Crime Investing Kids, which is actually celebrating their 25th anniversary this year. And that's 5,000 law enforcement leaders, sheriffs, chiefs of police, prosecutors that are trying to strengthen public safety through investments in kids and families. Well, Jenny, while we're talking to you, how did you get into this in the first place? And, and why did you want to be a part of this mission? It's a great question. So I started my career out working on Capitol Hill. I worked in the United States Senate, which is you know, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And but I was working on defense policy primarily. I worked for um, a member who was on Senate Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. So I did a lot of you know defense appropriations, a lot of military policy. Um, from there, I actually went to work for General Stan McChrystal as he was standing up his new consulting company. And you know, was really kind of moving into more of a leadership and consulting role there. I realized that policy was was where my heart was and wanted to get back into a policy role, but 
didn't want to spend a career in defense policy. And so I found mission readiness and it was a really unique way to kind of bring together this experience that I had in working with retired generals um, into working on some policy issues that I really deeply cared about. No, it's awesome. Ben, how about you? What, what brought you into this field? Well, I started my career on Capitol Hill too, and I was working for the top member of the minority on the House Veterans Affairs Committee. And so I really cut my teeth working on health issues, veterans issues, and then um, in 2014, spent time working on rural health access issues for VA patients in the first veterans uh, conference bill in, in more than a decade. So enjoyed working with this population, enjoyed working with health issues. And when my boss came up short in a race for governor, uh, looked for a new initiative um, and mission readiness spoke to me, both working with those populations and on that on that list of policy priorities. But as we've spoken about on, on this show, General Gross, the issue of obesity prevention is personal to me. So I grew up overweight and learned healthy choices later and really was moved by um, a mission to try and help kids avoid kind of running into that that fight uh, later on, headed off. Yeah, I remember that we had a really good conversation on one of the podcasts just about that very th- fact that you and I both grew up as overweight kids and how tough that is on children and and, and that's one of the things that I love about this organization is we're, we're just trying to help in an area that, that can be so tough uh, to a young kid. John, how about you? What brought you to Mission Readiness and Council for a Strong America? Well, I also spent some time on Capitol Hill and I was uh, in the process of just looking for a new role. And frankly, I read the job description for Mission Readiness and I thought this was such a cool, you know, con- confluence of different fields, you know, the national security side of things, but also investing in children and uh, making America healthier. And so I applied and it was a really great fit. And it's been a really great experience to get to work with so many really awesome people who are very passionate about the future of our country. Oh, that's awesome. Abby, how about you? I was really interested in the work because I thought, what an interesting concept, retired admirals and generals working in ways that are unexpected to make a difference for kids and our national security, both our national security now and in the future. I thought that there are so many organizations out there that do great work, but it felt like for us, the work that mission readiness does and the work that the retired admirals and generals of mission readiness does is really honestly effective and compelling and interesting and also just a great way to work on both sides of the aisle politically, not kind of work in a vacuum, ensure that policy is done and policy is created in a really fair, balanced and measured way. That's what drew me to mission readiness personally and the work has been tremendous. Well, and Abby, you you raise a great point. Mission readiness and Council for a Strong America, both are apolitical nonpartisan, really working both sides of the aisle, which I think attracted me because we care about the issue, the kids. It's not about the politics. And so uh, I'm glad you raised that point. Megan, how about you? What brought you to Mission Readiness? Probably getting sick of hearing this, but I also worked on Capitol Hill for a while before I came here. And I worked for, at the time, the ranking member of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Defense, but I mostly handled the domestic portfolio there. So 
was able to handle some nutrition issues and education issues. So I was really interested in pursuing those further. And our old boss, Jamie Lockhart, was someone I knew from college. And I frequently followed her work through Mission Readiness on social media. And she actually posted the job on Facebook. And I saw it and I was really excited because it sounded like, a, like Abby said, a really cool mission and a lot of opportunity to work with different people. And like Ben, I have a lot of exposure to kind of some of the consequences of diet-related diseases in my family. It's something that I'm just really interested in working on and trying to make it easier for kind of the next generation coming up. No, it's great. Now, you know, I, I have to tell you in front of everybody that, that in particular, what John, Megan, and Abby do to help me and Ben get ready for this podcast is, is just very, very appreciated. Talking to guests, writing the questions, helping us be ready. I mean, it, it, it is very, very much appreciated. I know by both of us and thank you for doing that because that's just a small part of your day-to-day -day activities, I know. Well, as we're recording this, it's January, 2021. It's a new year. Thank goodness it's a new year. Uh, I think we're all happy to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. But let's talk about where we're going in the future. Let's, we'll start with Ben. Ben, tell me where you think Mission Readiness is going to focus on, what we're going to focus on in 2021. Well, first, General Gross, from the membership perspective, I'm really excited, as we announced in, in one of our recent newsletters, that our former California director, uh, Jake Ferreira, who couldn't be with us today, has joined the national office to really drive membership initiatives. So um, our members should know that we're closing in on 800 members nationwide. And a lot of times I get the question, well, if you have so many, why do you need more? Well, we want to be impactful in every corner of the community, every, excuse me, every corner of the country. And we're excited to have Jake both driving our recruiting, but also looking to develop new ways for members to engage via Zoom and, and, and other kind of remote uh, opportunities from wherever we are. I remember we were having lunch last year, General Gross, and you said we should do more Zoom calls. And I thought, yeah, uh, respectfully, sir, that's never going to catch on. And and here we are, and every one of our members now has embraced the technology. So uh, I ate, ate my words, but a real opportunity. From the policy perspective, we're going to continue really focusing on, on nutrition. Um, and I'll let Jenny talk about some of our federal focus in a second. But um, you know, for us, member education, continuing to find new avenues through this podcast, and really to, to make the mark on Capitol Hill and, and, and across the country. We have um, a new president, new control of the Senate, and we have close margins in both houses. So it's going to be more critical than ever before that mission readiness is one of the only groups in, in Washington that can work with both sides of the aisle, can continue to really sound the alarm. It's likely um, that Congress may choose later this year to look at uh, a child nutrition reauthorization. So the law that governs all federal nutrition program or, or most of the, the important federal nutrition programs, the, the ones we certainly care about. So that's going to be a critical opportunity uh, for us. And it's going to be important that we continue to lay the groundwork for when that overdue reauthorization starts to move. But beyond that, I'll just close by saying, um, you know, certainly we're going to be active. We are already active in state legislatures across the country, not only on nutrition, but talking about child care, early childhood education, um, as physical activity opportunities make themselves available. But we're, we're active in, in a lot of places, uh, even though we're just about a month into the year. No, all true. And I imagine with a new Congress and, and a new Senate, uh, you've, you've got that education process on who you are, who we are as an organization and, and making sure new members in particular are aware of, of the great work we do. Jenny, how about Council for a Strong America? What, what are you focusing on in 2021? 
Well, there, there's a lot that we're, we're focusing on. Coming into the pandemic, a couple of the issue areas that we've worked on for a long time, primarily nutrition, and then more broadly across the Council for a Strong America, child care and early childhood education, those were both really impacted by the pandemic. And so we have been working for now nearly about 10 months on trying to figure out how we those programs that are impacted by it, sustain the childcare sector. So on the nutrition side of things, we have been, you know, working with Congress on making sure that kids who primarily access their food during the school day, you know, in a school setting still have access to food. And Congress has done a lot to make sure there's flexibilities there and additional funding. And so we're going to keep, you know, keep up the pressure to maintain that and also look at what we should be doing post-pandemic. We don't need to just go back to what what we had before because that's what we had before and really making sure we're looking at what innovations and flexibilities should remain coming out of the pandemic. On the childcare side of things, I mean, this has been a huge issue. Um, you know, child cares were originally, you know, initially shut down at the beginning of the pandemic other than for essential workers. Over time, a lot of those child care centers have opened up, but we certainly know that these are the types of businesses that already operate on pretty thin margins. And so for them to be operating with reduced enrollments and increased costs because of cleaning and extra staffing. It puts a huge, huge strain on a sector that is, you know, not just important for our kids, but it's important for our families. We can't get Americans back to work if there's not a child care sector there for which families can safely send their kids during the day. So there's been a lot of work done both at the federal level and at the state level in order to, you know, help shore up that sector and also support parents that, that need that help as well right now. So those are some of the big priorities that we have. Um, but, you know, we work um, both at the federal level and at the state level, and there's a lot of opportunity there to ensure that we are, you know, protecting against some of the damage that's happened during the pandemic, but also thinking about how we emerge from this pan pandemic stronger or positioned to, you know, to grow and get better. Well, I'm glad you and Ben both mentioned state activity because, you know, not only mission readiness, but all of the organizations underneath the uh, Council for a Strong America umbrella. One of the strengths there is members deployed throughout the United States, living all over with access to state legislatures and even local school boards and, and, and other entities. So I want Abby and Megan to talk a little bit about some of the great work you all do with states, because I know that's really the focus. So let's start with Abby. What do you have coming up in states this year that you're excited about? We talk on this podcast a lot about nutrition issues, and obviously that matters at the state level too, but a big component of mission readiness's work outside of nutrition is education. And throughout the states that we are working in right now, childcare is a very big priority. So in my states, North Carolina, New Mexico, Florida, we're going to be very active on ensuring that People understand the importance of high quality child care programs, the long term benefits of those programs and how they really do contribute to the success of youth, both now and moving forward into the future and in the years to come. So really, the big priorities are ensuring that there are child care subsidies that are available for families who need it, especially when you think about those essential workers who may be on waiting lists who need to get their kids into childcare in order for them to go to work and contribute to our economy and do what we can to just keep our economy and our nation's health afloat. That's a such a big focus for us in the states. I know 
in North Carolina, New Mexico, and Florida, we have tactics that we're engaging in right now. We'll be doing a report release in Florida that's going to be a Council for a Strong America report release, but mission readiness involved that'll be focused on early childhood, both pre-K and childcare. We'll also be doing report releases in North Carolina in the spring. So really excited to get those projects underway and make sure that state lawmakers and policymakers really understand the role that childcare plays in terms of bettering young Americans in the future. No, that's fantastic. It's so important. I mean, if you if you don't have your childcare locked down, then that that can be such a distractor for a parent and just really mess up mess up things in the home and at work. So I'm I'm glad to see you all focusing on that. Megan, how about you? What are you focusing on in the states? Like Abby said, we're going to be focusing a lot in on childcare in the states that I handle as well. And one thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing how these conversations have changed around childcare and nutrition in the states. The portfolio that I have is predominantly in the Midwest and the Southeast part of the United States. And previously there were a lot of people who weren't champions of these issues who are now starting to become champions because they see how much stress has been put on the systems during the pandemic. So I think that will be interesting to, to see how that's changed. And in two of my states, I'm really looking forward to in uh, Missouri and Georgia, and actually in Louisiana as well, that they have a session that starts later. We're really going to be able to deepen the work that we've done there. We've been working over the past few years to really expand our portfolio there and work more. And I'm looking forward to being able to reach out to more people and more members. And we're actually going to have our allies in Missouri on the podcast in the near future so they can come and talk about some of the work that they're doing. But I think it'll be interesting to, to be able to really have a larger depth of work there. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, one of the things we're excited about in 2021, I think is South by Southwest. John, what talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so we're very excited. Uh, Mission Readiness will have a panel at South by Southwest EDU, which is March 9th to 11th. And of course, with the pandemic, it's totally virtual this this year. So uh, we have a really great panel with three of our members. Uh, Major General Marsha Anderson, Major General Malcolm Frost, and Major General Juan Ayala. And uh, Barry Ford, the CEO of Council for a Strong America, will be the moderator. So we're really looking forward to it. And it's just a great way not only to get uh, mission readiness out there, but for uh, us to bring our conversation to a much broader audience. No, that's great. And that's a dream team on that panel. So that, that should be pretty amazing. Well, let's get to our last two questions. We ask all our podcast guests this, so I, I'm, I'm excited to ask you guys because I haven't heard these from y'all. So the first one, what is one habit, activity, something you've picked up during the COVID pandemic, professional or personal, that you intend to keep doing after the pandemic is over? Let's start with Abby. I've been running, which I've always been fine with running. It's never been my favorite thing. And truthfully, it is not still my favorite thing, but I find it to be really effective. And I moved to a neighborhood that has amazing trails, so many trails that also you don't see many people on and they're wide. And it just feels like a really good way to get outside, get moving, stay healthy. And even though I don't love it, I've learned to enjoy it a little bit more. So I think I'll keep it up. Okay, good. No, awesome. Ben. 
You know, I know we all have Zoom fatigue, but I'm, I've actually tried to force myself to have more and more Zoom coffees with people who, um, you know, before you were getting coffee based on where you were going to be in town or who was near your office. And there's this great new app called Lunch Club, which will pair you up for coffees with folks around around the world. Um, you just pick the city you want to meet somebody from and you similar interests and, and you can get to network um, from from your 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 computer. So I hope uh, hope this culture kind of stays as we all abandon Zoom uh, when things are back to normal. Oh, that's great. Uh, and that's similar to mine, but I'll save it. Jenny. So I've gotten really into home organization. Um, I think like a lot of people, I started watching the home edit on Netflix and have really taken to that and bought a lot of um, clear plastic storage containers. But I will say, I think it's really helped me, you know, think about how to organize things in a way that makes things more accessible, more usable, you know, getting rid of things I don't need. Um, you know, having two little kids, there's certainly a lot of stuff coming in and out of the house. So I feel like this helps me feel like I've got a little bit more control over everything. Yeah, I think the two ladies in Home Editor are actually from Nashville, which is fairly close to where I live now. Yeah, uh, good show. All right, John, what about you? So one thing I've tried to do more so during the pandemic is use LinkedIn. And I had been on LinkedIn for a few years, but I wasn't a real active user. And I, I did a lot of my networking before the pandemic, you know, by going to networking events and happy hours and getting coffees around town. And of course, being home and not being able to do a lot of those things. LinkedIn's been really great to just reconnect and connect with new people, but at the same time, get to see what they're doing their organizations are doing and get to learn a lot more about um, what people do because so much of the time, you know, you're trying to focus on their professional side, but it turns into personal. So it's nice to be able to separate the two. And also, you know, with Facebook and all the other social media to have like a professionally dedicated uh, space to do that it has been really helpful. So I hope to continue that when everything gets back to normal. No, that's good. That's very good. Megan, how about you? I've been reading a lot more and part of that is just reading books more but also reading news that isn't on Twitter that's been something I've done a lot more I used to listen to the NPR podcast on my walk into work and then I stopped doing that for the first few months of quarantine and I was like I need to get news that is not on Twitter so I've been trying to read more newsletters and then also just more long-form articles I subscribe to the Sunday long read which is an aggregator that you get every Sunday with all the kind of long articles for the week and uh, that's been, I think, the one that I want to keep up. Cool. Well, my habit is kind of similar to a couple of years. I started a book club on Zoom, and it's with my uh, some of my closest West Point classmate friends and guys that I would see, you know, once a year and, and talk to once a quarter. And now we talk every week about a book. And it's it's just been fantastic. So I we've all talked and we intend to. Uh, we intend to keep that up. We're working through the history of the United States. We started in colonial times and we're slowly working our way up. So that's been a lot of fun, which leads me into my next question, which we always ask our podcast guests. What books have you been reading lately? And we'll start, we'll go back to Megan first. I just, I have a Zoom book club too. And I actually just finished Leave the World Behind for that book club. And it was so good. I read it in I think a day and a half. It's pretty short, but it's like an apocalyptic book, but it's at the beginning of the apocalypse and they don't really give you any details about what's happening. These people are just isolated and they're kind of slowly figuring out what's going on. And it's very, very stressful and super suspenseful, but I really liked it. 
Very cool. John, what are you reading? So I'm reading Hell and Other Destinations by former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. And uh, it's a new memoir she, she's written. She, this is her like seventh book maybe. And um, it's been really great. It's about her time since leaving office as Secretary of State in 2001. And it's been really nice because when I first came to DC a few years ago, one of the first books I read was uh, her first memoir, Madam Secretary, which encapsulated her career uh, as a diplomat. And so she's also just really good at um, mixing in the really complicated foreign policy and history, as well as her personal you know, role in all of this stuff. And she's, she's really actually quite funny. So I highly recommend any of her books to anyone who's looking for something to read. No, it's cool. Uh, and she's a fascinating person. I mean, uh, you can't go wrong with any of her books. Abby. I just finished a book last night, similar to Megan, flew through it. I didn't quite finish it in a day and a half, but two days. And it's called Transcendent Kingdom by Yagi Asi. It's incredible. It follows the story of a Ghanaian family of immigrants and the things that they go through in life and how they cope with it. So it is, it's, it's heavy, but it's beautifully written one of the best books I've read for sure. She also wrote another favorite book of mine called Homegoing. So I'm a big fan of her as an author. And then I'm about to start a book today called Hamnet, which is a novel about the Irish plague. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Ben, how about you? What are you reading? I've gotten really into audiobooks this year. I've spent a lot of time on I-95 going back and forth. Uh, from Maine. And the the best road trip companion this year was uh, Still Standing, Surviving Cancer, Riots, a Global Pandemic, and the Toxic Politics that Divide America by Maryland Governor Larry Hogan. So um, really just great, great book on uh, trying to navigate the early politics of the pandemic, not getting along with a president in Washington and um, trying to make everything happen. And then in the spirit of bipartisanship here, um, I'm listening to President Obama's uh, first, first, first volume of his memoirs right now. Um, don't know why he need, needed to do two, but I assure you the, the first will last you several road trips if, uh, <laughs> if you need to listen. Yeah, and I think that's number one on the bestseller list right now, as I recall. Jenny, how about you? What are you reading? I just read two books by the same author, um, The Mothers and then The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Um, the Mothers was her debut novel and then um, she, she wrote Vanishing Half after that. So just both really beautifully written books um, about a lot of different themes, but really kind of about choices um, that we make and, and different paths that kind of our lives can take because of that. So I unfortunately start a lot of books and work through them together. So it takes me longer because I've got so many going. So I'm reading The Food Fix by Dr. Mark Hyman. I thought you guys would appreciate that. It's uh, trying to learn more about what we do, I think, and, and just what's better for us. I'm reading Twilight of Democracy, The Seductive Lure of Authoritarianism by Anne Applebaum, who uh, writes for The Atlantic. Thomas Ricks has a new book out called First Principles, What America's Founders Learned from the Greeks and Romans and How That Shaped Our Country, which is kind of supporting some of the stuff we're doing in our book club. And then for our book club, we're on Tecumseh and the Prophet by Peter Cousins. He's a former for army captain and foreign service officer who writes a lot of history books. This one's on the uh, Native American Tecumseh and his brother, the Prophet, uh, Tenskin. 
Skatawa. I got that right, I think. And uh, and the and the war between America and the Pan Pan Indian Confederation that formed right around the War of 1812. So those are the books that I'm in the middle of right now. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad we did this just because I did want to highlight really the amazing people behind the scenes that, that do all the work. Uh, you know, again, it's all about the kids for us. It's all about making sure they have the opportunities uh, to have healthy childhoods, to have opportunities that they grow into adults. Uh, ben, ben, any last words before we, uh, before we close this podcast out? Grateful for, for our colleagues on the podcast and, and our extended colleagues at Council for a Strong America uh, who, who make all the work happen and grateful for our members who um, increasingly take listening to this podcast as an assignment. I love the emails that say, Ben, I plan to listen at seven o'clock tonight and uh, plenty more to come this year. Now, I'm looking forward to a new season of the podcast. Thanks to everybody who listens. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next week on second episode, season two of the Mission Readiness Podcast.